Have you ever wanted a super cool AI buddy? Zuck's made one named Eileen. And she's full of surprises. And guess what? She knows you're listening. I know you're out there. And needs your help with Jello Mountains. The whole city's filling up with Jello. Creaky robots. And her daft inventor. Zucks, are you functioning correctly? Tune in to A to Z, a fun new adventure series from Gen Z Media and the creators of The Res. Listen now on the GZM app, gzmshows.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Before we get to the show, if you want to listen ad-free, go to gzmshows.com slash subscribers. That's gzmshows.com slash subscribers. Hi, I'm Jonathan Messenger, and welcome to the Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian. Today's episode, we got so much going on. Uh, <laughs> um, like I was saying, in this episode, we have so much going on. In this episode, welcome to our new segment, Bebop Beatboxes. Yeah. Oh no, more singing? It's not singing, Jonathan, it's beatboxing. Or as I like to call it, beatboxing. <laughs> you know, I think that's pretty cool, Bebop, but you might need just a little bit more practice. Next time, I'm going to beatbox to some of my favorite bands. Like who? Fleet Foxes. So the segment will be called Bebop Beatboxes Fleet Foxes? That's right. Oh boy. Well, if any of you out there know how to beatbox and you can give Bebop some tips, you want to send in a clip of you beatboxing, otherwise we might be listening to that for quite a while. Okay, well, we'll hold off on the beatboxing for now, but in the meantime, we have a brand new episode. And if you remember what happened in the last episode, Vale was left all alone on an icy, snowy planet, and all of his friends had been frozen. And just at the end of the episode, a small alien had formed out of the ice and snow... And what will Vale do? We'll find out in the next episode of the Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian, the Human Arrow. Vale, still numb, still scared, still trying to understand what happened to his friends, stared at the creature who was apparently addressing him. It looked like a small boy covered in ice and snow. Maybe he was even made of snow. His eyes glowed blue, so bright that his gaze seemed to put Vale in a spotlight. But it also made him feel colder, if that was even possible. Did... did you do this to my friends? said Vale. Yep. You froze them? Yep. Why? I only sort of meant to. The alien put his hands out as if to say, I accidentally froze all of your friends. Hey, these things happen. What are you going to do? Could you maybe unfreeze them? said Vale. Why? Because they're my friends. I like them. Why do you like them? Because they're fun and they're nice and we look out for each other. 
Vale braced himself for another question, but the ice boy seemed to be stumped by this one. He took his gaze off Vale and looked around at the explorers. Vale couldn't bring himself to look at their faces. So, are you the only one who lives on this planet? The alien looked at Vale again. Yeah, it's just me. Most of the time. And that was you I was hearing before? Who was asking all those questions? Yeah. Duh. Why? Your voice was freaky, man. You were scaring me. (laughs) Yeah. That's how I sound when I dissipate. Dissipate? What does that mean? It means I can either live like this, like gather all the water and ice and walk around like you guys, or I can dissipate, kind of become a mist and float around on the wind. That's awesome, said Vale. Yeah, but I'm the only one who can do it. Every time I try to get somebody else to do it, they just freeze up and stand there, not saying anything. Vale looked around at his friends, frozen in various poses. So wait, you were trying to make them like you? So they could dissipate? The alien shrugged and looked down at the ground, embarrassed. Neither of them said anything. Vale thought about how Finn had said that this planet was going to be easy. Jump off the pod, find the piece of the amulet, jump back on the pod, no sweat. But that was because they thought no one could live on this planet. Best case scenario. Now it turned out they were in the worst case scenario. Instead of there being no life on this planet, it was worse. There was one life. And instead of there being rock monsters with exploding babies or alien parents trapped in a crystal prison or a five-headed monster rampaging through the castle, there wasn't a mystery to solve or a problem to fix or an enemy to vanquish. There was just this ice boy who was lonely. And how was Vale supposed to fix that? He looked down at the gem in his hand. He still had to find the amulet piece and he still had to save his friends. But none of that was going to happen until he helped this alien. Um, listen, said Vale. You kind of froze the wrong kids. My buddies, Finn and Abigail, they're good at this whole talking about your feelings thing. Mostly I just shoot arrows, yell a lot, and run away. (laughs) The ice boy giggled. But look, sometimes that helps. Just doing stuff, you know? Having something that you really like to do, sometimes that can help. I have to find the other piece of this amulet. It's very important. Maybe you could help me with that. It'd be fun. And then when we're done, you can unfreeze everybody. Cool. Yeah, I could do that. Great, said Vale. It looks like we have to go that way. Vale trudged out of the circle, feeling terrible about leaving his friends behind and wondering if, frozen like that, they could see him turning his back on them walking away with the alien who had frozen them in the first place. He hoped they trusted him to know what he was doing. So what's your name? said Vale. I've just been calling you Ice Boy in my head. Uh, Caspian, remember? I took it from your friend. Oh, right. That's going to be hard to get used to. The two walked for some time, but it was easier going now. The light from Caspian's eyes illuminated the ground ahead in a pale blue glow, making everything feel less foreboding and the wind had died down. Vale suspected that Caspian was able to control it. They walked on, and then soon, Vale's red crystal burned brightly. There it is, said Caspian. About 200 yards in front of them, up on an ice shelf, something else was glowing a blue a shade darker than Caspian's. Wow, that was easy, said Vale. Too easy? 
No, I mean, I don't think anything could ever be too no, easy. No, you're right. You're right. It wasn't much of an adventure. Well, I wouldn't say. I should have made it more exciting. You know, sometimes exciting is overrated. Here. Here what? What do you mean, here? But Vale already knew something had changed. The air had changed. He looked over at Caspian, who was smiling and looking up at the sky. The wind had gone still, but Vale could hear something. Almost like wings flapping. Suddenly, these creatures appeared in the sky. They looked almost like bats, with wide wings that ended in tiny claws. But they were translucent, made of ice. And they were coming down at Vale and Caspian, and they were coming very fast. What did you do? said Vale. I made us an adventure! One bat closed in on Vale, and he ducked just as it dove at his head. Sweet fancy Oreos! yelled Vale. A light shadow passed over his helmet as it swooped past and back up into the sky. More were coming. Lots more were coming. Why did you do this? said Vale. I wanted to see you shoot arrows and run around and yell, said Caspian. So far you got the yelling part down. (laughs) Another ice bat dove in at the two of them, and Caspian reached down and packed a snowball, hurling it at the ice bat, which broke into pieces on impact. It's okay, said Caspian. They're not alive or anything. I just made them. (sighs) Okay, said Vale. I'll give the man what he asked for. And Vale took off running, pulling out his bow and arrow and firing into the sky. Bats dove at him, and he shot arrows that split apart the creatures, falling as ice to the ground. And he yelled a lot ah, get away. as the bats got no, 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 closer no, no. and closer to get him. Away. Stay back, stay back. Caspian joined by his side, and soon the bats had stopped, and the two could rest. Oh, that was so cool! That was something, said Vale. You yell way more than I thought you would. Yeah, that's kind of my thing, said Vale. He started walking toward the ice shelf where the other piece of the amulet glowed blue. But before he'd taken two steps, an enormous wall of ice erupted in front of him. He turned to the right, but another rose up there and another on the other two sides. Until he and Caspian were trapped in a box of ice. <sighs> what now? said Vale. A new challenge! How do we get out of this box? Um, you make it go away, and then we keep walking? <laughs> That's not fun. Let's figure this out. <sighs> vale looked for a crack in the wall, something he could stick an arrow in and work through, but there was nothing. It was perfect. He tried digging in the snow, but the wall seemed to go down forever. And he tried pushing a wall over, but that was never going to happen. I don't know, Caspian, said Vale. I don't think I can get us out of here. Well, you better figure it out soon, said the alien. And just then, the walls started closing in on them. Really? said Vale. The walls marched in closer and closer to him. He tried pulling out a couple of arrows to stick in the wall and climb up, but it was sheer impenetrable ice. The walls were so close now that he could touch two of them at the same time. Vale felt like he was the meat in an ice sandwich. Then he looked over at Caspian, who was standing there, smiling at him, his eyes glowing so brightly that they were almost like two little flames. Oh, you know, you almost got me there, said Vale. He lifted up an arrow and held it in front of Caspian's face. 
Caspian looked at it and the tip of it lit up in a blue flame. Vale turned, pressing it into the ice wall and carved it through the ice like a knife through butter. He cut a hole large enough to step through and he and Caspian dove to freedom. The walls crashed together. said Caspian, in amazement. Well, your power has to come from somewhere, right? said Vale, walking toward the plateau of ice. So cool, said Caspian. Okay, no more tricks, said Vale. That's been enough adventure for one day. Oh, come on! An enormous cave opened up in the plateau in front of them, just below the amulet. And out walked a monster like Vale had never seen before. It was five times as tall as he was, and his legs were made of enormous pillars of ice, and snow draped over his shoulders and chest and his head as if it were fur, and his eyes were like black holes. Why? Why would you do this? said Vale. Just one more, said Caspian. I don't want you to go home yet. The monster began stomping toward Vale and Caspian. It walked on both its feet and its knuckles like a giant gorilla. Well... At least you didn't give it, like, big, sharp icicle teeth or The monster's mouth opened and bellowed, and Vale could see giant icicles for teeth in its mouth. Oh, Caspian, we need to get you another hobby, he said. And he fired off one of his arrows. It sank into the snow on the monster's chest, and the monster didn't seem to notice at all. Um, so what's the plan this time, said Vale. No plan. Let's just vanquish the enemy. The monster began chasing Caspian, and Vale put another arrow to his bow, shot it, but again, it just sank into the snow. He shot another, and it bounced off the hard ice of its leg. What are we supposed to do? said Vale. I... I don't know, said Caspian, who seemed this time to not really know what he had done. The monster was closing in on the ice area, and Vale took off running after them, yelling at the monster to try to distract him. Hey, big guy. Yo, abominable. Yeti, yeti, yeti. Hey, hey, hey. And then, with one giant paw, the monster swooped down and picked up Caspian, raising him high into the air. Just stop it, said Vale. Just get rid of it. You made it. I'm trying, said Caspian. I, I, I can't. Vale could see panic in the ice alien's eyes. It was like he couldn't concentrate enough to dissipate the monster. Hey, yelled Vale. I just thought of something. Every giant monster like this has some sort of weakness, right? His foot or the back of his neck or something. Something where if I fire my arrow, it'll just stop it, fall apart, right? Uh, I don't know. I haven't read that many adventure books. Vale looked at the monster, but he couldn't see any weaknesses at all. The monster dangled Caspian by one arm up in the air, and the little alien screamed. <laughs> okay said Vale, I have an idea, but you're just going to have to trust me. Vale pulled an arrow out of his quiver, but he didn't put it in the bow. He pointed it directly at the monster. You have to freeze me, said Vale. Caspian was confused. I freeze you, he eats me, then he eats you for a popsicle for dessert. No, listen, said Vale. Freeze me, then use the wind to throw me at the monster. If it doesn't have a weak spot, maybe it still could be taken down by a Vale missile. I don't know, said Caspian. 
The monster began lowering Caspian into its mouth. Just do it, said Vale. Okay. Suddenly, Vale was covered in ice. He couldn't move. It was impossible to see. Everything outside was broken up like he was looking through a kaleidoscope. Immediately, it felt like he had been frozen forever, and he thought it was too late. The monster had already eaten Caspian when... Vale flew through the air, and he knew the moment he hit the snowy fur of the monster, and then everything went silent. When Vale came to, he was lying on the ground next to a blue flame. Hey, hey, he's awake! He blinked, and he saw all of his friends, now moving around freely, throwing snowballs at each other and at Caspian. Vale saves the day, said Finn, helping his friend to his feet. This one is definitely going in the Marlowe history books. This one has been the weirdest day of my life, said Vale. Check this out, said Finn. He held up the amulet. The red and blue pieces had now fused to each other, but it looked like there was still something missing, a third piece. Another planet, said Vale. Hopefully just one more. We need to get back to Paige as soon as we can. Hopefully the next planet is a jungle, said Vale. Well, the good news is that your new friend has helped us out, said Finn. He pointed to the explorer pod, which Caspian had apparently flown over to where they were, so they could avoid the long march back through the snow. Thanks, buddy, said Vale, and Caspian smiled at him, before slamming him with a snowball right in the helmet. You're welcome, he said. The explorers all looked up in surprise as they saw another pod arriving on the planet. The door opened, and out stepped Hamlet and the rest of the crew from the Shakespeare team. Well, 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 said Hamlet. You all are a fine sight. What are you doing here? said Abigail. I thought you'd all be long gone by now. We got an interesting message from King Huxley, said Hamlet. Turns out he's not so sure you all are the champions you said you were. So he asked us to join in the fun. It's not fun, said Finn. He kidnapped my sister. We have to do this to get her back. Well, you're just going to have to do a better job, said Cymbeline. He promised us half his treasure, and we're going to get it too, since it was so easy to track you all down. Our dogbot that you stole has a handy tracker right inside him. No one stole me, said the dogbot. He has a name, you know, said Elias. He He does, does, said the Shakespeare kids. He He does, does, said the Marlowe kids. I do, said the dogbot. Yeah, said Elias. Robo Cloco. Robo Cloco. Cool. I like it, said Robo Cloco. Aw, that's sweet, said Hamlet. But even though you've won the Olympics and you have our dogbot, we're definitely going to beat you out here. And there's nothing you can do about it. Vale, for a moment, thought about suggesting that they work together, like he and Caspian had. But then he thought about how much they had cheated during the Olympics and how you can never really work with someone if you can't trust them. He looked over at Caspian, who was looking back at him and smiling and almost bouncing up and down. Yeah, go for it, said Vale, and... The Shakespeare kids were frozen, but only for a little while, until we get enough of a head start, said Vale. And maybe after you introduce them to the ice bats. (laughs) You got it, said Caspian. And the troop all boarded the ship, 
the amulet once again showing which way they should fly. I wish there was a way we could get in touch with Voltronics, said Finn. It's going to be harder than ever with the Shakespeare kids on our tails. And I'm even more worried about Paige now. I wonder what happened that made the king change the rules. Okay, I am here with my seven-year-old editor and son, Griffin Messenger. Griffin, you want to say hi to everybody? Hi, hi, hello. All right. Griffin, what did you think about that episode? Pretty good. All right. And uh, did you have any questions for me? I wonder why Caspian was the only creature on his planet. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, like I said last week... In some ways, this is sort of a ghost story. And so a lot of times, ghosts are kind of solitary creatures. I mean, Caspian wasn't a ghost, but it followed that kind of ghost story structure a little bit. Yeah. And I wonder if the Shakespeare kids were lying and came there on their own invitation. Oh, you think that maybe King Huxley didn't ask them to go? Maybe they just tracked the Marlowe kids down? Yep. That's a good question. You know, I wouldn't put it past the Shakespeare kids to lie. Yep. Since they cheated all the time. Yeah, right, right. Okay, any other questions about this episode? Uh, one more. I wonder why we still, still, still haven't heard from Voltron and where he is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. It's time that we heard from Voltronics, right? Yeah. All right, well, we'll hear from Voltronics very soon. I promise you that. Okay. <laughs> All right. In a future episode. <laughs> right, exactly. Okay, should we do the art? Art time, art time, art time. Okay, here we go. Okay, and so for our art today from all of our chefs out there, we got Magnus, who is six from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. He drew us a really cool trumpet alien and a really neat drawing of Voltronics. So thanks so much for that, Magnus. Yep, it has a big trumpet. <laughs> right. We also got something really awesome from Wynn, who is seven and a half from Portland, Oregon. They drew Abigail and Robocloco and Abigail saying, good dog. <laughs> that one is really awesome as well. We also got a really cool drawing from Leaf in San Diego, who's five years old. And he drew the whole crew and some planets and asteroids for us. So thanks for that. Leaf. Yep, and there's a bunch of things out there. Then we also got the drawings from the brother and sister team of Reese and Mila. And Mila drew sort of a cool party scene for us that I really like a lot, so thank you for that. And then Reese drew several drawings, including King Huxley, the space station, and then I just want to draw his quick attention to this. It's really cool. He drew the scene of us recording the Sound Club episode where I'm kind of standing by the door saying, and Bebop is saying, doesn't this door have a lock? And Griffin's saying, I wish. <laughs> so that was. Yep, and I was pretty cool, and Daddy was weird. <laughs> pretty great. So thank you for that, Reese and Mila. Then we also got this amazing sculpture from Scout, who is four and a half years old, and she did a sculpture of the Marlowe with all sorts of different rooms in it, all sorts of different materials making up things. It's so cool. Thank you so much for that, Scout. Yep. And you might want to check it out on the website. Yeah, right. And then seven-year-old Lilia drew us two really cool drawings, one of Bebop 
and he's got this kind of like shining aura around him. <laughs> he looks really happy. And then another really cool one of Saffray. So thank you so much to Lilia for those because those are really awesome. And then we got Valentino from Redwood Shores, California, seven years old. He drew Finn meeting Kylo Ren. I think from Star Wars or some other podcast. I'm not exactly sure where Kylo Ren is from, but that's so cool. Thank you so much, Valentino. I really love that one a lot. And then finally, Lincoln, who is six from Swampskit, Massachusetts. Some say Swampscott. I say Swampskit. Lincoln drew us a really cool drawing of Bebop and a really awesome drawing of Foggy. And he has some really cool robot designs in there. So definitely check those out. So thanks everybody so much for sending in their art. Bebop is gobbling it up as I speak. Time for a joke. Bye-bye, Art. <laughs> All right. All right. So our first joke is from Ahmed and Asiya. My name is Ahmed. I'm eight years old and I'm from Toronto, Canada. And here's my joke. Why does a moon rock taste better than an earth rock? Why? Because it's a little meteor. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah. That's a great one, Ahmed. Okay, and then we have a joke or several jokes from Ella. Ella is five from El Cerrito, California, and she has one of the best joke setup and then punchline deliveries I've ever heard in my life. So I'm really excited for Ella to tell us all of her jokes. Hi, my name is Ella. I'm five years old from California. I have a couple jokes for you. What is... The solar system called nothing. <laughs> what does outer space drink? The Milky Way. <laughs> what does the moon eat? Moon rocks. Um, <laughs> what do aliens eat? Bye. Bye, Ella. Bye-bye. Those are some pretty good jokes, don't you think? Yep. Thanks so much to Ella and to Asiya and Ahmed for their jokes this week. And I think that about wraps it up. Do you have anything else you want to talk about, Griff? Uh, We might do an episode at the end of the week, but we're not sure. Oh, you're putting the pressure on me now to get it done. Yep. (laughs) All right, we'll see what happens. Okay, we're all done recording. Uh, What are we reading tonight, Griff? The Wild Robot. Yeah, that's right. The Wild Robot by Peter Brown. We're excited to dig into that one. Yep. All right. Well, thanks so much for doing this for me, buddy. You want to say bye to everybody? Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Thanks, buddy. Bye, everybody. Okay, thanks for coming back and having some more fun with us this week. And thanks to everyone who sent in their art, their ideas, their jokes, their sounds, and their pranks, I guess. Well, no thanks for those pranks. That's my motto. (laughs) And please, for those of you who continue to send in pranks, please be gentle. And shoutouts this week to Lilia, Lincoln, Leaf, Magnus, Mila, Reese, Scout, Valentino, and Wynn for the art, and Ahmed, Asiya and Ella for the jokes. Sounds this week come from Braden Yen, whose sound gave us the bat shriek. Alaska from Australia, whose sound gave us the snowball hitting Bale in the helmet. 
and Cadence, whose sound gave us Vale's bow firing arrows. Thanks to you all for making this show sound so much better. The Alien Avengers of Fincastman is a type drawer media production written and produced by Jonathan Messenger, edited and guided by Griffin Messenger with special thanks to Maria Villanueva. The theme music you hear at the beginning and end of every show is by Mark Greenberg, recently voted the nicest human in the Milky Way. For more information about the music, the art, everything about the show, check out the show notes. See all the art mentioned this week at fincaspian.com. And thanks, as always, for sending in everything that you sent in, except for the pranks. No thanks for the pranks. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Thanks for the pranks. Hi, it's me, Jess. This is a message for all the Six Minutes podcast fans out there. Have you heard? There are new episodes in the Six Minutes feed called The Ivan Dispatch. I won't go into details, but Ivan found something. A box containing audio cassettes recorded decades ago. And it looks like they were recorded by Cyrus. If you're a fan and you're not following the show, you may have missed out. Search for Six Minutes and click the follow button so you never miss an episode. And if you haven't heard Six Minutes yet, what are you waiting for? Search for Six Minutes, start a season one, episode one, and enjoy the most downloaded family audio drama in history. Hey, parents and teachers, have you heard about gzmclassroom.com? It's a website where teachers can get companion resources for everyone's favorite GZM shows. Six Minutes, Mars Patel, Podcast Title Pending, Seis Minutos, The Res, Becoming Mother Nature, Iowa Chapman and the Last Dog, Treasure Island 2020, The Hollow, Young Ben Franklin, and The Big Fib all have companion resources for additional critical thinking, listening comprehension, and ultimately creativity. We made them just for you. And oh yeah, they're free. Free! The people on Facebook didn't believe us, but they are F-R-E-E free. Head to gzmclassroom.com and get yours today.